young. We just we just really didn't have a whole lot. And there was a time whenever uh, mom came to my dad and she told him. She said, "Listen, if we end up if we end up giving our offering to the church, our tithe to the church, and we're not going to have enough money to be able to buy milk for for the kids." And so dad just said, you know, I don't know what else to do. He said, we're going to trust God, and we're going to give it anyway, and we're just going to trust that he's going to provide. And a couple of days later, it just happened, there was a neighbor across the street who came over, knocked on the door. Uh, Mom answered the door. She said, hey, listen, we're getting ready to move, and we just realized we got a refrigerator full of food, and we were wanting to know if y'all would like to have it. And so I think before she ever finished saying that, our family was on that refrigerator like white on rice. You know, we were just excited about it. And then uh, there's other times when uh, uh, my sister was out in the yard playing, and I was just, I was, you know, I was just like, believe it or not, I was just like this big, fat, slug kid. And so uh, my, everybody's out playing, and uh, there's something that blew in the yard. My sister ran over, picked it up, and it was, a, it was a $20 bill. And she ran into, gave it to my parents, and my parents were able to buy groceries. And so there's a lot of different little stories that have happened and occurred throughout, throughout my life where one thing that I've learned is that God really does provide. And God is a God of provision. And I really hope that as we look in our scripture today that you're going to see that. And today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see God uh, give Mo, or excuse me, give Abraham an incredible lesson. Now, the scripture we're going to look at today is a scripture that I, I struggle with this one. And I don't understand it a whole lot. I don't know how it jibes with, uh, with uh, the whole picture of who our God is. But... In the scripture we're going to look at today, it became a defining moment in the man named Abraham's faith. And what he learned is that God truly does provide. Now the story we're going to look at today is the story of Abraham being called by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now just obviously, you know, biblically, uh, I, I struggle with that. I don't understand how that could be possible. As a parent... I understand it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think maybe Abraham made this up and said, I'm going to sacrifice my son. But anyway, uh, but as far as like the biblical part of it, I really struggle with this scripture. But there's, some, there's a great truth that Abraham learned through all of this, even though I, I struggle with it. And that is God provides. So if you have your Bible, you can look with me. Genesis chapter 22, one of the neat things about uh, this, this scripture that we're looking at today and others is that it, it's in, found in the book of beginnings, the very first book in the Bible. And so and we, we learn from early on that God is Jehovah Jireh, that he is God who provides. And so y'all can look there. As you're looking there, again, a little background information uh, God had called Abraham and Sarah years before, said, I want you all to move, go to a new land, the land of Canaan. And God said, whenever you go there, I'm going to do something great for you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And he said, you're going to have kids, and they're going to multiply. It was a great promise God gave. Of course, we know the story. Uh, Abraham was 75 at this promise. Sarah was 65. They have no kids at this point. And so you look at it and think, how in the world are they going to be able to pull this one off? But what's amazing is, is it happened. And God gave him a son. Gave him a son named Isaac. Uh, Isaac grows up. He's a teenager at the point of our text. And then God gives a strange command. And he tells Abraham, I want you to take your one and only son, I mean your only heir, and I want you to sacrifice him. Now, on a lot of different levels, it doesn't make any sense. Now, in pagan religions during this day, it was not uncommon to have child sacrifices. 
that was that this is actually more normal than than not. But with the God of the Scripture, this is this is weird, because our God is a God is a God of life, right? Our God is a God who promotes life. He's a God who promotes love. He's a a God who he is just, but he's a God who cares. And so God gives this this text or gives this uh, command to Abraham. And it doesn't make sense for one because God said it's through this son that you're going to have, uh, you're going to become a father of many nations. Well, how's that supposed to happen if Abraham kills him? And so there's a lot of complexities here, and I don't understand this. I struggle with this, especially as a dad, but here's what I do know. I do know that this text became a defining moment in Abraham's faith. Everything changed for Abraham through this passage of Scripture. And I want you to know that in your life, there will be defining moments. For those of you who are believers, there will be defining moments of faith in your life as well. And we're going to see some of those defining moments that happen in our faith that happened in Abraham's faith. And the very first defining moment that I want you to see that happened in Abraham's faith and that will happen in your faith is that your faith, the defining moment, is it will be tested. There will be a time when your faith will be tested. And we see this in verses 1 and 2. It says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, I really believe a lot of believers, followers of God, we get sidetracked in our faith, and we have this sort of like strange theology that we've come up with, a strange belief system that we have. We think, you know, if I follow God, um, if I am, you know, faithful to Him, then, you know, I get to avoid all problems in life. You know, if, if I, and if I do face any struggles in life, it means that I'm doing something wrong uh, means that, uh, you know, that, that I've, I've screwed up because if you follow God, your life should be just smooth sailing. Now, I don't know, I really don't know where we've come up with this idea. But for one, it is not found anywhere in Scripture. 1 Peter 4.12, and I'm not trying to depress you guys, but this is just what the Bible says. 1 Peter 4.12, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which await you. Uh, Peter said there's going to be junk that happens. Don't be shocked by it. Uh, Jesus said, uh, he said, uh, in John sixteen thirty three. Jesus said, in this world, he said, you're going to have trouble. So I, I don't know where we come up with this idea that, you know, if I, if I live for God and I serve God, then I'll never have struggles in my life. It doesn't say that. The only thing you have to do is look at Jesus. Here's Jesus. He's the Son of God. He lives a perfect life. He never sins. He heals people. He's a great teacher. And what happens to him? We put him on a cross, and we killed him. So I don't know where we come up with the idea that if we are obedient to God, that there's never going to be any struggles in life. Because the fact of the matter is, there will be times when your faith is going to be tested. That's what happened to Abraham, and, and it, man, it's a, it's a big-time test. God tells Abraham, said, I want you to take your son, your only heir, the one you know who's going to be the father of many nations, I want you to take him, and I want you to sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. Now, just a it's kind of interesting, Mount Moriah, you know in Jerusalem, have you all seen the big gold dome? You have that picture? The, this is where Mount Moriah is. 
And so this is about this kind of the similar area where Abraham took his son Isaac in order to sacrifice him. So, so what does our text say? The text says that God tested Abraham. He tested Abraham. Now, another, another meaning for that word test, it's interesting, it means to prove. It says God proved Abraham. What was he proving? What was he testing? He was testing Abraham's faith. Now, was he testing Abraham's faith in God in order to get him to stumble and fail, to say, I'm going to give him a really hard assignment because I want to watch him fall flat on his face? No. God gave him a test in order to prove, to strengthen Abraham's faith in who he was. And did you know that God will test our faith as well? In James 1.3 it says, you know that the testing, the proving of your faith develops perseverance. That word perseverance, it means to have the ability to last or to continue. So God will test us in order to strengthen us so that our faith has endurance. So that it lasts through not just, you know, the next week, but that it will last throughout life. Because there's a lot of junk that happens in life. And if we're going to survive in this world, what do we need? Man, we need endurance. We need, we need confidence to know that, that our faith matters, that it counts. Uh, let, let me try to give you an example of this. And I've told you all this before. Um, I, did, um, I, did, I did P90X. You can tell, right? I used to weigh 600 pounds, and I did P90X, and now I weigh 85. And so, uh, anyway, I went, through the, I went through the disc, and I... Um, uh, my, my favorite exercise, if any of y'all have done it, my favorite one is, believe it, it's, it's push-ups and pull-ups. It's like 45 minutes of push-ups and pull-ups. And I've, I, I've, always, done, I've always done push-ups. And I've got the bob wire tattooed on my arm. Uh, so I've always done push-ups. Pull-ups, the pull-ups just absolutely, just to be honest with you, they blow. I hate pull-ups. And uh, for a long time, Emily bought me P90X. I don't know if that was a hint or not. And, uh, and I said, I can't do it, I don't have a pull-up bar. So I just sort of balked, and then she went and bought me one. I was like, ugh. So she bought me a pull-up bar, so I started doing them. The first time I did it, I could do three. That, very impressive, right? And so I'm sitting there like, ugh. And I get up, and I do three, and I, it's really frustrating. But I kept on doing it, and I, this is nothing to brag about, but I felt good about myself. By the time I'd been going through this for a while, I was able to do 18, 18 pull-ups in a row. That's very good for me. And so I was real excited about it. Uh, but after I went through it, uh, you know, you kind of get to that point where you kind of get tired of it. And you're like, I'm going to take a little break here. It's like Christmas time. And I quit doing it for like a couple of months. And then I went back and said, I'm going to try that push-up, pull-up thing again, put the disc in, got on the pull-up bar. I went from 18 to 8. And I, I, could, I mean, I was, just, I was absolutely spent and worn out. No, what happened? Well, what happened is during that period of time, I wasn't testing myself anymore. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't keeping up the pace. Therefore, I really did end up losing strength. Now, sometimes what God will do in our faith is he will test us in order to keep our strength up. Does that make sense? I mean, tests have to come our way in order to help us to build endurance. Because if we get used to not leaning on God and trusting in him then whenever some storms come that we've been able to get through before because we were strong with God, if we take a break from him for too long, what happens is we get weak. And so some storms come along and they begin to blow you over. And they begin to take, uh, take precedence or they become stronger in your life than you are. Tests are important. 
I, I, I don't enjoy going to the doctor, and I know many of you don't either. And there's a reason why. I, for, I have a couple of reasons. One, I don't like to be touched by other people. Uh, two, when I go to the doctor, I, my thought is that I think if I don't go to the doctor, then he won't find anything wrong with me. And, you know, and if he doesn't find anything wrong with me, then that means I'm okay. Which is, does not make any sense. It, it does to me, kind of. But it doesn't make sense, really. You want to go to the doctor so that he can test you to find out what's really going on with your body. And then when he finds out what's going on, then he's going to be able to treat you accordingly. God tests our faith. And it can become a defining moment in our lives when it happens. That's what happened with Abraham. Now, another defining moment in our faith is that our faith has tasks. Um, our faith has action is another word you could use. And it's not just the faith we talk about, but there's actually stuff to do with our faith. And whenever you have action in your faith, it becomes a defining moment. Now, I want you to look with me in verses 3 through 6. We'll see this in Abraham's life. It says, so early in the morning, Abraham got up, he saddled his donkey, and he took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. And then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And in his hand, he took the fire and the sacrificial knife. And the two of them walked on together. Now, if Abraham was going to be obedient to the call that God had on him, and you all remember, what did God call him to do? He said, sacrifice your son. If he's going to be obedient, he had a task to perform, right? He had something to do. Now, we all know it's important to know in life, you know, what our calling is, or when you're at work, it's important for you to know what you need to do. The defining moment comes... When you do it. Now, knowing something is good, but it doesn't mean diddly squat until you do it, right? We all know that it's important for us to eat right. I mean, you know the little posters, you are what you eat. We all know that stuff. It's just been like ingrained in our heads. Uh, we know what we need to do as far as to eat right, to, to exercise, all those things. That's great to have that knowledge. But when does it become a defining moment in your life? When you do it. When you do something about it. Well, the same thing is also true concerning our faith. Now, Abraham had an assignment from God. And Abraham could have looked at God and said, Hey, God, listen, I understand what you want me to do, but I don't have any, I don't have any wood. I don't have any fire. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not on Mount Moriah yet. So maybe we need to come up with a different plan. Now, if, he was going to, if his faith was going to have a defining moment, he had to do what God called him to do. Same thing's true with us. It's true in your faith. It's true in the life of this church. If we're going to see, if we're going to have a defining moment in our relationship with God, when God has a calling on our lives, guys, we've got to quit talking about it and discussing it and do it. I, you know, I, uh, I like, you know, I like to hear people talk, I guess, like anybody else. I feel sorry for you all that you all have to listen to me every week. But, I, you know, I like to hear people talk every once in a while. But you know what? There comes a time where I'm like, you know what? Just, just shut up. And quit talking and do something. And I'm serious. There comes a time when we got to quit being people who just talk about faith. It's like, God means so much to me. Really? Well, what are you doing? You know, what is this church doing? 
Are we just a bunch of people who get around together and we just talk? Or are we going to do something? I want us to be people who do. What, 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 have we ever had that example in our church? Yeah, you know what we have? There was a time when I just incessantly talked about what we needed to do as a church. Man, we got we to gotta do such and such. And, and it, it got a point, and I was like, I'm, man, we're kind of tired of talking about it. When God called us to plant our roots here in, in Blythewood. He really did. We really had that, just that sense of calling. And yet we were just sort of like the nomad church, you know, meeting in schools and just sort of floating around and meeting in different homes. And it's like, yeah, we've got to plant our roots. There came a time we said, you know what, God's calling us to do it. We need to do something about it. So we prayed about it, and we, uh, we began to look for land. And we did this capital campaign. We bought property. And then we, we built the facilities we're in now. You know, it looks like right now we have a meeting on Monday. We're going to begin the next phase of our building project. It looks like they're going to actually start building in June. And so all those things are, are going on. Now, whenever we quit talking and we begin to act, it transformed this church. It transformed the life of the church. And ever since then, we've seen God work. We've seen God do greater and greater things. I want us, I want you, I want me, I want the church to make a decision, a determination that we're not going to be a church that talks. We're going to be a church that acts. Because when we act, it becomes a defining moment. And we begin to see God move in our lives. Let me try to give you a, a, kind of an example. There's a, a young guy, and he, was, uh, uh, he had a girlfriend, wanted to get married, didn't have enough money. But he got a, his job, said you can, he got transferred to Ireland. They said, if you go to Ireland, you have a two-year stint there, you'll get paid more. And so he accepted it. And so he said, I'll go because they'll give me more money. So he went over there. He's by himself. He's writing his girlfriend all the time. His girlfriend's writing it back. You know, they love each other, all that stuff. And, uh, and then she, but then she started getting worried about, is he being faithful to me over there? And so she wrote him a letter saying, I'm kind of nervous about you being over there all by yourself. I know that you probably have some temptations. He wrote her back said, I get lonely, but I want you to know I'll be faithful and true to you. I would never cheat on you. And so she wrote him back, and she sent him a gift, and it was a harmonica. And she said, I, what I want you to do, she said, every night I, I want you to play this harmonica. And so, you know, take your mind off of going out on the town. And so he wrote her back and said, I'm going to play this harmonica every night. I promise you. Well, two years up. He goes back home. He goes to see his girlfriend. When he gets to her house, he runs over. He cannot wait to hug her. And she stops him. And she says, before we do any hugging and kissing, she said, you play that harmonica. She wanted to find out if he'd really been playing that thing every night. You know, she wanted to see action. Now, do you know God's the same, same way with us? We can talk and talk and talk. God says, I want to see. I, it's great to talk, but I want to see the proof. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves. It says, do what it says. James 2.17 says, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, says it's dead. Abraham demonstrated that his faith was real when he was willing to get to work. God, called him, God told him what to do. You know what Abraham did? Since he started, he started gathering up wood, got, got the fire, grabbed the knife, and said, let's go. It became a defining moment for him. It's a defining moment in our faith. Well, want your faith, our faith is going to be tested. In other words, God wants to prove our faith. Secondly, our faith, it's, there's task. You know, our, Christians, we're not here to talk, not just talk. It's important to talk, but we're not here just to talk. We have, we have a job to do. And the, the, the last defining moment I want you to see about our faith is our faith will be demonstrated by our trust. 
I trust we have in God. Now, I'm going to read the final three verses, verses 6 through 8. It says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand he took the fire and the sacrificial knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, and said, My father. And he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here? He said, But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? It's a very good question Isaac's asking here. And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. God promised Abraham years and years before. He said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. You're going to have a kid, and through him, there's going to be a great nation. And then God calls him and says, I want you to kill that kid. And Abraham was willing to do it. And I told you already, I I struggle with this. And I look at this and I think, why in the world would Abraham, just at face value, say, okay, God. Can any of y'all imagine that? And he said, okay. And he begins to prepare for this assignment that God's given him. Now, how did all this happen? And here's what I really believe. I believe what had happened is that Abraham had finally come to the point in his life where he began to realize, you know what? I can trust God. God's calling me to do something that I totally do not understand but I can trust him. You see, there had already been, t- already been times in, in Abraham's life where he had not trusted God. Uh, remember God said, I'm going to give you a son. He's 75 years old when God gives him that promise. Abraham goes, says like 85 years old. Nothing's happened yet. He's thinking, wow, I'm 80, about 85, my wife's 75. Odds aren't looking good that we're going to be able to have a kid. And so he, in, he doesn't trust God. And so he and Sarah get together, and they, they conspire, and so we need to help God out. You all know, remember from last week, they, he goes out, and he gets another woman. Never a good idea, okay? Don't ever do that. And so they get, he gets another woman. What happens? It becomes a major league mess, which is not surprising. Even though his wife said it was okay, not okay. All right, so it's a mess. But you know what? Even though they, they did this, God proved himself to be faithful. Because as years passed, God gave them a son. There's another time when God said, I'm going to watch over you, I'm going to protect you. Abraham struggled with this promise, and so Abraham becomes a liar. And he lies, and you can read in the earlier uh, chapters about this. So he lies, creates another mess, but God ends up protecting him anyway. And so I really think that at this point what's happened is Abraham has matured in his faith. And he's like, I don't understand this, but there's, man, I don't understand having a kid at 99 either. But I believe God's worth trusting And it became a defining moment in his faith. And I think he just came to that point where here's what Abraham said. He said, God, you're calling me to kill my son, whom you said there's going to be a great nation through him. Now, I don't know how, but God, I believe that you're still going to keep your promise, even though you're telling me to kill my son. I'm going to believe your promise. Now, how can I say that? Well, if you look back in verse number 5, this is interesting. Here's what Abraham said to his servants. He said this. He said, stay here with the donkey while I, go, while I and the boy go over there. He says, we will worship. And here's the key part. He says, and then we will come back to you. Abraham did not believe that he's going to leave that boy on the altar. He believed God's going to do something incredible. Now, we get a bigger picture of this in Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. It says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. 
And he who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And Abraham received a reason that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. Uh, from the dead. I, I think it'd be interesting to know what was going through Isaac's mind at this moment. You know, it doesn't tell us. It, it gives us a little bit of a hint. You know, they're walking up the mountain, and they have the the firewood. They have the ability to make fire. Dad's got the knife. There's no animal, and Isaac's walking. Out and you just know that he's thinking this is weird. And he's walking out there, and he looks at his dad. He said, "Dad, we got the fire. We got the wood. Where's where's the beef?" You know, I mean, where's the uh, where's the animal we're going to be sacrificing? And what what does Abraham say? And this is really interesting. Abraham says, "God will provide." He he just trusts God. He doesn't know what's going on, how it's going to happen, but he just says, "God will provide the lamb." What did God do? As Abraham is active in his faith, he quits talking. He does what happens. God provided the lamb. God provide. Who is God? The Bible says he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provides. Now I want to finish with this. And one thing that, I, that I'm, I'm kind of gathering is that if we're ever going to have the opportunity to meet Jehovah Jireh, have the opportunity to meet the God who provides, I'm beginning to learn that there has to be obedience. That there has to be Sacrifice. If you want to see God provide, there are probably some Isaacs, some things you love and care for a whole lot, that you need to be willing to lay on the altar and say, God, I believe you are Jehovah Jireh. I believe that you are a God who provides. And because of that, Lord, I am willing to lay the things that I love and I care about the most on an altar. And if you choose to remove them from my life, I'm going to trust you. Because I believe that you are all I need. I look at Abraham. He laid the very thing that he loved the most on the altar. And he said, God, this is all I got. This is what I care about. But I'm going to give it to you. Because I believe that you are true. And you'll provide. Now, for some application here. What are some of the Isaacs in your life? Some things that you love and that you care about. The things that you spend so much time with. What are they? It could be, could be possessions, it could be your job, it could be, could be what, how you feel about yourself, your, 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 your pridefulness in yourself. It could be certain relationships. What is it? Material things? My encouragement for you today is to say, God, his, here's all the stuff that I got. All the stuff I've got. And I will lay it. On an altar, and God, if you choose to make that a sacrifice, you do it. Because I'm going to trust that you're Jehovah Jireh, you're the God who provides. It can become a defining moment in your life and in my life.
became a defining moment in Abraham's life. Because after this happened, we began to see that Abraham, the conniving that he had, the doubts, the fears that he had, it becomes totally different after this because he began to understand, you know what, all I need is God. And the fact of the matter is, when the rubber hits the road, all you need is Jesus Christ. (laughs) 